0: Hi, I'm Martin from Cygnus. I'd like to welcome you to our thought leadership event, Curious. In a current climate, we're having to adapt the way we work and how we communicate. Therefore, we're bringing Curious to you. We have three credible speakers from the marketing industry that we're talking about their own experience, techniques, and tactics as to how you can market your business in a crisis. I hope you enjoy the podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to our podcast. I'm Amy Romain and I'm the marketing comms manager from Sickness and I'm joined today by Warren from Neva, Gavin from NT Collective and Phil from Past Digital. Morning,
0: guys.
1: Good morning. So on our discussions today, it'd be great if we can talk about the latest marketing trends and how businesses and brands are adapting in this current climate. And I think it's important to talk about strategies that are out there at the moment and also it'd be good to talk around the importance of customer relationships and why why, why nurturing those are um, even more important than ever at this challenging time. So if we have a look at brands at the moment um, and what they're doing out there, um, do we feel brands are being sensitive um Are they being authentic and are they being empathetic as well to customer needs? What are your thoughts on that?
2: I'm not sure all brands have the flexibility to be genuine at the moment. Some are just the ones that are struggling just don't have that flexibility. So take, for example, like airlines and stuff like that. Haven't really got out many communications, but purely because they're just trying to deal with the amount of inquiries requesting people refunds. I don't think they have much bandwidth there. To do, have that genuine approach or release any updates, they're just trying to deal with all these customers. So I think in part it, it depends. It depends whether there's any bandwidth there to be able to, to deal with some of these things, or if there's a if, if there's an actual change in the way that things are happening. So for example, take Sainsbury's. They're releasing updates about how they're changing things to cope with the current climate and government regulations. I think as part of the way that their customers interact with them, they need to communicate that out approach and tell people what they're doing to help and support. So, I mean, it really depends.
0: I think there's been a, a, it's fast moving. Um, There's been a real shift in the last probably seven days, almost back to BAU, not fully, but there's definitely a more an approach on, well, actually we have businesses to run, we need to garner sales and I think I'm seeing more and more Easter. And it's almost being used as, a, okay, but well now we can focus on Easter. We, we, we've we got through the Corona marketing, marketing. So we've done Corona, unless they're, you know, food retail, and now we're suddenly back into, okay, what's the next sales period? Well, that's Easter, off we go. Um, mm. You say about Sainsbury's one, because actually, although we've used it in the past, we're not regular customers, and they don't email. So, but then I've had two emails from the CEO, which... It feels to me um, a little bit, I'd expected that maybe from the, you know, the e-commerce guy or the head of retail, but not the CEO. It feels like it's gone up one level too many. I think we've seen a number of brands go with the CEO, blanket the whole databases. And, you know, I was chatting to someone uh, uh, last week and we're probably going to start to see deliverability issues across across the, the, the marketplace purely by delving so deeply into the databases.
2: Do you think that's driven just by from the senior managers and CEO saying we need to release an update? There's no, there's no thinking about segmentation and stuff there, which is yeah.
0: And I think it's yeah you know, the old adage of you know when when senior leaders are looking for sales that they go volume. I think there's an amount of you know we need to tell everybody this is what we're doing, but actually ignoring the fact that people are in different stages of their their customer lifecycle with those brands. Yeah, and actually. Say if, if Sainsbury's and I'm not picking on Sainsbury's per se, but if Sainsbury's aren't emailing me regularly and I'm not shopping regularly with those guys, do I really? Am I in the mindset that I want to know what Sainsbury's are doing? I don't know. It's a difficult one to balance.
2: Yeah, I think the customer lifecycle one is an interesting one because I have a good perception of what they're doing, but I'm a regular customer of Sainsbury's, and you possibly have a again not picking on Sainsbury's, but. You, you don't shop there regularly and then you're re- all of a sudden receiving these emails so that's it's interesting those two different perceptions so I think then just it feeds really into where they are in their buying cycle which is a really interesting point you raise because if they're not ready to buy you shouldn't really be interrupting any other communications to say here's what we're doing about COVID-19.
0: Yeah and it's you know, we we think about that customer journey. Well, actually, maybe if I'd have hit the website and that, that had been picked up and I'd logged into my account, maybe that's an appropriate message to send. But actually, if I'm just going down to the store, it's it's very clear and obvious what, what we're doing. And that on- and offline comms mix comes into play about the right channel, the right message, the right time.
2: Yeah, because I have all those buying analytics from the Nectar cards and the loyalty stuff. So... There's no reason why I couldn't have tailored it appropriately, I guess. Um, But yeah, I think Gavin's starting.
1: Do we have, what sort of, do you have any brands that stand out in your mind at the moment as a great example of communicating during the crisis?
2: Uh, I think communicating is one thing. I think what I think action speaks louder than words. In this example, so for example, when I go onto the Deliveroo app and I say you can donate to the NHS and they're doing free deliveries for the NHS, they're just incorporating that as part of the service. They haven't done a massive launch about it and PR done. It's like they're just doing it, and now automatically, someone like Deliveroo, I have got a better perception of because it feels like they're treating people right. Like it goes down to what I was kind of saying when I thought about it previously of don't be a dick. I think that stands out. I think it stands out. Uh, I think it's obvious when people are trying to make something of it. But I do think actions speak louder in words, at least for me anyway. So another example for me, example for me that brand that hasn't done well, uh, again, just focusing on one particular industry is airlines. So I've had a really good communication, customer service experience with Wiz Air. It's almost like they were prepared and I managed to get through to them. They dealt with the inquiry swiftly, got my refund, EasyJet, I've never got hold of uh, at all. And I've had two flights and I've just not been able to cancel. Their website has sometimes crashed on me.
3: (laughs) But I think to your point, I'm glad to be back in the conversation. Um, I think to your point of, how brands are behaving i think it's interesting that um you know to phil's point that some of them because they don't really know what to say are now suddenly kind of just saying oh it's easter quick it's, it's it's springtime there's bunnies around whereas you know the the you know brands i think will be judged by what did you do during corona the coronavirus pandemic and i think you know Lauren's point was excellent. That you know, the some brands are being able to kind of deal with things, you know, quite well. You know, we were you know seeing an advert from Tesco's telling us that they're updating their processes. You know, a month ago that would have been unheard of. That would have been a dull thing, and, and now we're actually getting we're, we're we're taking that that brand's listening to us and they're doing something safe for us. So it's all got a bit more – I want to use the word serious, but I don't think that's the correct word. I think um, authentic. I think people just don't have the time for, you know, like I got an email from somebody I bought flip-flops from three years ago, from the CEO saying, we are here for me. I don't care, but actually seeing things like um, – you know, uh, companies are offering discount for key workers. Companies are offering free, um, uh, free services for NHS staff. Those are the brands that you know I'm going to remember. Those are the brands that you know actually did something. And I think there's there's a really mixed um, brand management must be kind of quite painful at the moment because one of my uh, favourite things from social in the last week was where after all the BA decided to ground most of their planes. Um, in central London, quite close to the Compass Centre, which is where all the BA staff kinda of hang out, there was a full BA or a number of crews in full uniform, went to the local hospital and made bacon sandwiches for all the night shift NHS stuff in full uniform. And that was, that, interesting enough, that wasn't something done by British Airways and it wasn't actually tagged by their PR department. It was just actually some of their stuff. So it, it, it's it's interesting how brands are going to be. They're trying to take the strategic initiatives, like my email from Subaru the other day, saying they're there for me and would I like to buy a cleaning kit because my car is not going anywhere at the moment, which is just version of the ridiculous to mm. the point of where you actually see, uh, you know, uh, people offering free services for the NHS. So I, I think the brand management... is challenging at best but you to to lauren's point you've got to actually be out there and be agile and i think fmcg companies like su- supermarkets and stuff are used to being agile and reactive and the brands that aren't being useful to being agile and reactive are are, are almost scared into uh, uh, lack of movement lack of engagement is it because they're
0: there's always been a culture of protecting the brand and it's all, everything's all messy. And actually the the people element has been lost over the years from not being able to be an individual potentially within a framework.
2: Yeah, I think think as well, Phil, the, the point that you raised earlier about considering where that person is in your buying cycle uh, says a lot of things which is then what that feeds into what gab was saying is about having someone email him who bought for flip flops from three years ago like if you were a regular or buyer of flip flops you might go okay great my flip flops don't have coronavirus or whatever you want <laughs> and, you know you might you might change your thing but if they were just doing some things here's some of the is some of the things that we're doing to help us support our community and with jobs and stuff like that. You might go, well, actually, I might buy flip flops from them again. Do you know what I mean? If you were, if you, yeah. if you're, if you're already more front of mind, then I think you have an advantage when you're when you're yeah. sharing authentic messages versus if you're not if you're not heard of, i.e., you shop there once. I think there's there's a totally different message for those two those two segments of your yeah. Friends. And I think the empathy
3: comes in. The, the, sorry, one final point on that, because I think brands are acting without self-investment. Um, They're just doing the right thing. Mm. Because now is the time for brands to, you know, give things away for no reason, to have random acts of kindness, you know, not to be about their brand, but to be about what they can do. And those are the things that are going to get into people's psyches. You know, it's the people kind of that remember that, well, before Petit Manger closed, they were giving 50 percent off to NHS staff. You know, it, it's that selfless act that I think will echo out um, because we are a bit of a cynical bunch. And at the moment, we're a cynical and slightly scared bunch. So it's a really kind of interesting kind of position to where the consumer is at the
1: moment. Yeah. So do we feel this is a time now where brands would be revisiting their data and segmentation needs to be applied more than ever?
2: Yeah. So if if I take, so I looked at industry and job functions, two different segments that I'd normally segment. Now, if I look at industry, so we've got lots of industries that are in trouble that previously weren't, and we've got industries that are doing a lot better. So take examples like Zoom, stuff like that um so if you take that as a, as a as a database split then you need to be sensitive about your customers issues at a 2 b level but at a 2 c level you've got the notions that gavin was talking around um kind of cynical bunch being more scared are they regular customers are they not regular customers being more considerate about where they are in the buying cycle before you release the communication because it's not just sending an email now and it getting ignored is actually being kind of annoyed that they're sending you it given the times because you're responding to you're reacting to an event and sending you an, and it's actually it's stuck with me some of those brands that have done it versus whereas normally I would have just ignored their emails and then equally at job function level if you're looking at B2B you take CTOs and CEOs now their priorities have shifted massively right compared to you know uh, e-commerce managers and stuff like that maybe they've got you know they still want to ramp it up but they're they're now more decision makers than they previously were so there's Mm -hmm. a huge different there's a different levels of split that you can you can cut it up but what what i'm really saying is that you need to just rewrite the rules for the each segment as opposed to just repressing the reset button i think it's just looking at what you have in your database and just taking each segment as it comes and just seeing where they are in their buying cycle, who are they, what their new priorities, which industries have shifted to the to the positive, which have shifted to the negative, some have more spend power now, some have way less. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a
3: good point because the the, 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 the one of the positive things about the, the, the marketing at the moment is because of the massive shift in you know what Warren was saying that that. that two customers that lived in one section of your database before, one could be, you know, doing millions and one could be trying to, you know, save themselves from bankruptcy. And I think the, the it's exciting how, exciting, I'm not sure if that's the appropriate word, but I'll use that word anyway. I think it's exciting how data um, is, uh, or how the data sets are changing and those journeys are changing. and it is a challenge for uh, the Marketers to get on board, um, but I think it's there. There is plenty of business going on out there and communication going on out there, but it's yeah, you know, it, it's about um, I think not offending people is. is because before, I think when you actually sent out an email, you thought, well, yeah, this, this will hit most of, you know, this will be a resonating message with 80% of my audience within that subgroup. You know, now, you know, to Warren's point that, you know, it, that 20%, you could actually be turning them off rather than them just ignoring you. They could actually be turning you off because they think, well, actually, that's inappropriate. I, I you know, we're trying to save the world. and I don't care about flip flops. You know, or you know, what, why is the you know the managing director or the CEO of an obscure company that I bought a product from, you know, saying that they're going to be there to, you know, help me? So I think the, I think finding those new data sets is going to be quite a challenge um, because all you know, the the only constant we have at the moment is change within marketing. You know, massively so, you know, the, 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 the game has changed on um, everything. I think Warren used a, a great term about you know, ripping up the rule book and I think there is an opportunity at the moment for brands to re-engage authentically but it goes back to making sure that, that message is
2: a message of your impact, not just a message of how you might exploit the situation i think it's a time to reanalyze as well so i would consider that any of the behaviors that happened within the last year and you'd what you'd consider normal buy, buying behaviors to discount that almost completely and then it would be then looking at new signals and new buying behaviors looking at the new way that people are engaging um because it, simply you can't rely on that data anymore that is old data in my head um mm. because it, it, we've had is such a rapid rate of change that that's why you can't count that everyone that had normal buying behaviors before as the same signals um and i think even from like an event event view you can't have attendance for events anymore it's just you know people would rely on a buying behavior as turning up to an event and having a conversation and did i have a valuable conversation with that prospect or customer um and obviously you can't have that now so people have been asked to almost, the brands that are gonna survive are the ones that are gonna start recognizing the new buying signals quite quickly and segmenting appropriately. Um, Especially, I think as well, some of them changing their models to fit as well. So an example would be, um, there's a catering company and now doing fresh uh, veg and fresh fridge delivery and their business is now booming but it's not, they've totally changed their model to deal with the situation. And it's to think that brands are adapting and, change and hitting the reset button correctly and ripping up that rule book and putting it back together again appropriately are the ones that are going to do relatively well out of this.
0: I think you're going to end up with a, a split across all businesses and half are going to go for... Ripping up the rule book, half, you know, and, and they're going to go for this. Well, look, we've had a, let's be honest, a crap year financially for the business, but let's use this opportunity to test and learn and really develop a new strategy and a new way forward versus the other half who all immediately go, we've got to try and hit budgets. Let's just discount, discount, and you'll see yeah. mail messages going out. All over the place, and then people wondering why their databases are shrinking. They've got unsubscribe rates and complaint rates, you know, and lack of engagement, and that will be purely because they've hit the panic button and gone that way.
3: Yeah, and I think the, the, the um, uh, it's slightly off topic, but Amy wouldn't expect anything less of us three. Um, but the interesting thing is with with, with the, the the DMs or, or or the emails that are coming in. It's interesting that if you actually push, if you go through the email, if you try and get through to a call center at the moment, you may not get through to a call center because call centers are almost, you know, all running at over capacity. You know, chatbots are slightly, I was using one the other day and I was thinking, somebody really hasn't updated this in the last couple of weeks. So it's giving me the, the completely wrong, wrong directions of what to do. So as well as the comms getting pushed out, brands have got to consider the new way of talking to customers because they haven't got a shop anymore or a lot of them haven't got their
2: traditional shop window or their human point yeah Warren I was gonna say it's interesting what you mentioned about chatbots because zoom is who's one of the industries that have um, and one of the sectors that have got booming business in this times because it's now a, a new need they've used chat box to help scale but ones that have been designed appropriately, not poorly designed ones, because that annoys mm. me as well. Um, but some of those have, have been, uh, chatbots have been used as a way to kind of scale their communications. Um, so you've got two forms there, people just inquiring on what's happening, because you're not releasing enough updates, or people generally just making a shift in their business, and now all of a sudden your business is priority. So I just thought I'd just pinpoint on that, because it's interesting, chatbot thing.
1: Do you think we'll see a shift towards personalization as well as we go forward?
0: I think um, yes, but I also think what businesses are going to realize if they try to do personalization at scale is the quality of their data and the, mm. um, yeah, yeah, just the quality of the data. It, you know, there's nothing worse than someone trying to do personalization and it being wrong or incorrect they're, they're going to have to be a lot of data cleansing and, and that really involves oh, asking customers to confirm what they've got is correct so it's really being a bit more transparent with customers about what data we hold against those individuals giving them a, a flexible and easy way to update it to ensure that you can then do that personalization because although you know we'll talk about dynamic content and you know and creating emails that have relevant content actually if you see what the person's first name wrong that's you just you know, you're switching off there, so there's gonna to have to be a shift into data quality as well to, to be able to drive that personalization at
3: scale. But then also the personalized data is, is going to change because I've noticed, you know, you know, normally if somebody's got me on a database, they would actually help me down as a bit of a petrol head and enjoying motor racing. It's completely irrelevant at the moment. But you know, I, I probably Online visited more um, uh, garden centres or um, seedling centres in the last week than I have done in the last six months. So suddenly my data has gone from being somebody that drives cars and likes to go motor racing to somebody that buys bedding plants. You know, so <laughs> it, yeah, these these are the new behaviours because yeah. you know in the next three or four months I'm not going to be able to go out racing or go out driving. But I am going to be planting, you know, uh, uh, tomato plants. But I think the whole, um, uh, going back to kind of the, the, the data, the personalization of these messages or personalizations of journeys, I think is going to become a lot more difficult because people are taking mm-hmm. new journeys. You know, yeah. I've described, you know, subscription, I've discovered subscription services, you know, for, you know, my wife and daughter's moisturizers and various different things. You know, you know, I really didn't think that you know a, a month ago that I would be getting into the the the, the purchasing journey of subscription services for um, shampoos. <laughs> Those are for my kids, by the way, rather than for me. But by <laughs> point, because to, to Phil's point, you know, well, actually, sorry, Phil, probably shampoo is probably not a big priority for you right at this moment. No. That, that's a gag for anybody that's watching the video yeah. version of this. Um, But but to your point about personalization, the personalization for me and probably millions of other people has changed. The values of what we're looking for and what we're buying and why we're buying it and when we want it has changed. And also the subscription. Now that I've discovered subscription buying of certain items in my house and online things that I never used to buy. You know, if I went to, historically, if I went to a garden center, I'd drive there, have a cup of coffee and go buy some plants. You know, now I'm actually, you know, buying uh, uh, predominantly online. So if these habits continue, how do we, and this is a question for both Warren and Phil, because you're much more experts in the data, uh, in the personalization model than me. I think, you know, how do we cope with that new personalization model where, you know, me, for example, the most racing head is now buying smarter plants online. How do you make it personal for me?
2: I think, Phil, you touched on it before, right, which is kind of testing and learning. But just I think to add on that, I think uh, not being afraid to try new things with new segments in an appropriate way. And when I mean appropriate, I mean sensitive. It's, It's a fine line between annoying people quite quickly and trying to just literally try new things test and learn different ways with different things that previously you wouldn't have done because that's the situation they are in so I, I would say not to be afraid to try new things but equally test appropriately um are the things that i would i would say to that i i, I think i mean
3: yeah I, I come from a design thinking background so i would kind of you know, co- lobby the the. You know w- what um, Warren said is you know, get that minimal viable product of anything of your you know, your your new EDM strategy, your new homepage test, or whatever it is. You know, get it out there. You know, review bravely and quickly. Be agile, mm. because I think the the speed of reaction, you know. Are, are, are going to be the winners here, you know, because there are some brands in certain segments that are, are coming out quickly and they are the ones that are going to answer that question um, confidently. What did you do during, you know, coronavirus? You know, there's still, um, uh, you know, everybody will remember BrewDog IPA for making hand sanitizer and giving it away yeah so they didn't even you know they didn't even announce that it's not their core thing it took a huge shift but they're doing it
1: yeah it's not yeah. uh, making the um the ppe where, you know for those on the, on the front line but interestingly
2: yeah, I, I was going to say the brew dog example in the video that they output they weren't putting the two the wall so a lot of comments on that video and they were making the yeah. hand sanitizer they're all really close together and a lot of people were annoyed about that and so you, that's what I mean, is that's that a fine balance there. They're doing the right thing in the right way. But, well, slightly the wrong way even. And you just go, well, okay, that's a sensitive line, right? Because they've got all their workers in the factory. They're all close together producing hand sanitizer. And there's two but, different but, things going on. <laughs> but to your point, that's being brave and it's testing. Yeah, you know, they they yeah. they
3: haven't sat there there and waited for the sec to be the second or third brand. You know, the reason we're talking about that brand is because they went. You know what? We're going to get on with this. Or you know, Zara, yeah. because that that you know, yeah. is a great example of you know we're in this world of you know um <clears throat> fast fashion, and let's face it, the fashion brands in the last six eight months have not really had an easy ride, yet because they're having their you know their materials made by hand sewn by children in India or China or whatever you know the fashion industry is taking a bit of a pounding and for Zara to come out and do that they're just going to be seen as heroes now or certainly their brand perception for me has changed massively through that
0: I also think you're going to see a shift to shopping not local but smaller brands so Mm. um, you know there's. You, you can see it with the pubs and and the restaurants that change to takeaways you know and actually yeah. people are much more aware of what's around them locally so local shops um talking of brewdog, I, there's a a gym brand that i really like called tarpins which is based in cornwall so they've been making sanitizer but they've done a little twist on it and they have you know they've scented it with certain you know almost of the mix that they would put in their gin so again it's a little bit on brand but it's a very nice thing that they're doing as well. But you kind of mm. see that in your mind, and think, well, actually, I'd rather use those businesses. And actually, with Amazon, I suppose, stopping the prime next-day delivery, well, actually, the convenience of that is gone. And actually, I can yeah. wait two or three days. So I'm more likely to say, well, can I find it in a local shop and go and support the high street versus the convenience of having it delivered to my doorstep?
2: That's an interesting one, because actually... Um, And you touched on it as well, I think, Gav, the subscription services, Uh, I guess as a consumer at a B2C level, are we going to plan ahead more? Are we going to think we don't need that instantaneous because a lot of that would have been gone. So when people were bulk buying, we had to plan as consumers. Uh, Sorry, just... Lost, I thought we lost you then. So, we have to plan as consumers. I think that will come into play as well, and um, purely because we've been forced to think that way now as consumers due to things being not available yeah. readily as we would be, like we would be I, used to, even. And I
3: think the interesting part that all of these comments play into is the shift in values. You know, it's you know, Warren touched on there about you know, because I've noticed when I've been doing my you know the 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 2020 hunter gatherer, which is two hours on Google on a Saturday morning, instead of actually going to the shops, is the new kind of hunter gatherer model. But it's interesting that you, you you suddenly start looking at, well, do I need that? And so, so suddenly that proposition, what what the brand is pitching me, I've got to pitch a lot harder because. Actually, the old Maslow's hierarchy of needs is kicking back in with a vengeance because we're all suddenly looking for you know um, you know eggs, milk, and veg deliveries. You know we're we're not kind of worrying about you know yeah. where where where, where are, uh, and and the and the decisions that you're making about which brands that you're engaged buying and which products that you're not buying are based around a shifted value set, which kind of goes back to the the whole thing about throwing the rule book out because. The, the data, probably most—I don't know—80% of B to C data, and um, probably maybe 50% of B 2 B data is now wrong. It's actually 100% wrong. You know, yeah, yeah, to my yeah. point. My point of you know, now if somebody sent me a home delivery range of uh, uh, you know vegetables to plant in the garden, I'd probably e- read that email longer. I would have somebody just sent me you know, an email about a 1973 Tomaso
2: Pantera that's for sale. By the way, that's a car.
3: So, still you will
0: know, you know. still read that. So. But I think there's, also, <laughs> there's probably, and it'd be interesting to see what, what comes out of this once we're through the, the other side, is that there's going to be some false positives in terms of engagement rates as well, because people have more time. Mm. So we are going to mm. see yeah. higher open rates, potentially higher click rates, because people are just something to do more than anything else so the yeah. element of we're going to have to take some of these results as we come through with a pinch of salt as well because yeah you know.
3: well, so, some of the things I've been seeing in online is you know online advertising for banners and things like that is the cheapest any cheapest I remember you know and the actual to your point the click-through rates you know are huge you know reach uh you know and traffic it, it, it's amazing but the thing that is obviously a hit because you've actually got more people with more free time to do more browsing, but actually less people are actually buying. So the conversion rates have dropped down. So again, this I think goes back to the point of, you know, how, what, what, what's your brand pitch? What's your messaging to get somebody to buy something that might not be core essential to them? Um, uh, and also to, to, to Phil's point, I think... Well, I, I I don't think we are just coming out the other side. I think we're coming out to a new balance of values and shopping behaviours. And it's interesting because you know all the big chains of restaurants were killing all the local. You know your, your your pub couldn't compete with you know the Pizza Huts, the Connochers, you know the the uh, uh you know the michelin but- Butler kind of you know estate of uh brands all those chains are shut now so it is our local pub if they're open i mean my local pub is an indian and they're doing delivery you know and you know they're the ones buying the loyalty from where you know uh, so when this comes out am i more likely to go over to my local pub across the street and eat with people from my local village, um, than actually travel into you know Milton Keynes and go to a chain restaurant. Hell yes, and I don't think I'm the only one.
2: Do you think the same? So I primarily work with B two B and more account based marketing, and I think from my perception, I've seen it, um, an engagement with a different uh, type of content more than a different uh, engagement, different engagement rate. And in addition to that, um, for certain job functions, I've seen uh, a shift in priorities quite quickly as well. So that it's, it, I feel like. The same similar rules can apply to a b2c level but i also feel like industry comes into play a little bit more and uh, a a, cat while segmenting properly and personalizing properly has to start from scratch which i think we touched on so i am seeing similar things on b2b level but i think type of content is just as appropriate as um the false positives that that feel highlighted with the click rates and stuff like that i'm seeing definitely a different type of content being engaged with like videos as an example is performing a little like uh often sort of 10 15 better than they were before um, and i think that's people in their home office and they can watch a video and have the sound on full yeah and it's just like one of those little things where you just go well okay that's quite interesting or webinars um, uh, where people can't go to an event. Uh, and then it's the question of whether the people conducting webinars are the same, because if you're conducting it as a replacement for an event, I don't think you're going to do very well out of it. If you've got quizzes, polls, it's interactive, people are listening, listening you're gathering feedback, having a two-way conversation, mm-hmm. then I think that's an appropriate way to, to kind of conduct uh, your, your content uh, or the way that you deal with things that way. So I'm, yeah, so I'd highlight that, particularly as a B2B
1: person. Yeah. So obviously this is a, a challenging time at the moment, but can you see it as an exciting time?
0: Um, as There's an old phrase that um, gets wheeled out every once in a while, uh, it's a steaming pile of opportunity, but it's knowing where to look and it's knowing knowing the right, you know, we come back to content, you know, you can you can go through an approach that's just send everybody the same message or you look through the segmentation, but th- there's got to be a tone that, you know, the emails that I'm opening are less about sales, but more about how to fill my time. So Ikea's emails are at the moment about how to make the, the best use of working from home and having the children at home and that sort of thing. So that, they're a value to me. And actually that makes me think, okay, well, when I need to, I will, you know, keep visiting Ikea, for example. Um, the brands that aren't doing that, you're a bit like, well, just ignore them. There's enough going on in the world. I'm not really going to look at their, their, their content and stuff.
2: I think I think it goes back to, as well, really, do you really understand your customer? And do you really understand the environment? If you do, you can put into place uh, uh, a test and learn strategy that is already ahead of the game to your competitors because you... You, you have those things in context and you've considered those things to be able to create a correct test and learn strategy. And I think we touched on it before about ignoring all previous buying behavior and not wasting any time in what's done well before, but just looking at the situation with some senior stakeholders, making an appropriate a decision on how we can make our product or service relevant to the current environment. And our current customer segment that were previously well, have engaged or are new to our database.
0: Yeah, and I think to add to that, it's also the element of multi-channel. the The email inbox is is so busy. Mm. Is that message appropriate to be sent via SMS? Should it be a push notification? Should it go, you know, be shared out via social? There's a lot of marketers and a lot of brand owners that will go, "Well, we don't do SMS because we don't like it." but that's not to so say that your customers won't like it. It's because you as an individual, you as a brand have a perception about SMS. Um, now it's come back to you know test and learn. And I think this is the opportunity to try and do some of that as well.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. Okay. I think the smart brand managers would be, you know, reaching out and trying to kind of get, you know, Zoom calls or Hangouts or whatever with sample chunks of customers To start kind of getting a few kind of headlines about what they can do because you know if the rule book is gone and we've got to do the test and learn it really 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 is time to revisit how you actually talk to your customer and that starts with actually talking to your customer actually getting you know 10 of them online and asking them you know your five page questions at the moment and then starting your testing strategy with that rather than just, because as Warren said, you know, everything we know, or most of everything we know, or everything, all the data behavior we've been working with is now
2: useless. And do you think there's a certain extent where, because we've talked about awareness and engaging with new customers, converting them becomes quite difficult, particularly at a B2B level. I've seen a lot of sales guys use tools like Gong, which ana- analyzes the conversation they're having online and produces a result across a huge sales team. I've seen tools like Zoom, tools like OneMob, for example, that are helping some of those sales people actually engage with them over video appropriately. I, I think to a certain extent, those guys, not just the marketeers, but their sales as well, it's important to then consider how they can use what marketing are, are finding out And and some of the data that they're they're getting from their side, and some of those test and learn strategies, and try and employ some of that into their processes. And also, they they almost have to deal with the new way of they can't just go out to a client meeting anymore. It's like, well, I need to learn how to use these these tools quite quickly as well. I think there's a big part of it, which is, do I need to use new tools, and how how quickly can I learn to get speed to them, and what tools are there available? What are my competitors using? What, what am I seeing in the network where, where there's, because there's lots of, whilst channel is one thing, like with a busy inbox, I think there's certain tools out there that are gonna now do quite well. And I think sales, like sales and marketers have to look at those different tools with a different angle as well. And there's, there's lots of choice there. Yeah, yeah, and I think, so,
3: the, the answer to answer your question, of, you know, it, it, it is is it, is it exciting at the moment? Um, it, it is because you know yeah. we're at a time of reinvention. We're at a time of huge reinvention, and the brand managers that, um, I mean, yes, you can be very forlorn and very kind of pained about oh, you know, the world has changed. It has. You have to start with accepting that the data you've got is no good. Possibly 50% of what you understand about your customer has probably shifted. That your competitors have pivoted to a different model. You know all those things. You just have to actually accept and take on the challenge of you know rebuilding and reengaging. So I, I think so. I saw an advert from uh, you know or a blog from somebody saying, "You know, Now's not not the time to you know stop advertising." And that was probably written by you know, an agency that does lots of media and advertising. You know, the, the, the self-vested interest of, of how professionals like ourselves, I, I'm partially ashamed by our industry because looking through LinkedIn, you know, the amount of snake oil salesmen that are actually out there, you know, telling them that, you're, that you, they've got the, 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 the dead cert you know uh you know linkedin tools or this tools or that tools that's going to sort it all it all comes down to you know hitting the reset button we are kind of at a new day one yeah you know people can't walk into shops and buy stuff you know it's you know and even when whatever the new normality comes along it's going to be very different so learn about it now
2: i think i think also to answer the the question as well so it's exciting but it is quite scary having to change your whole business model and change every, you all almost because that's starting from scratch as much mm-hmm. is an opportunity and it is exciting it is quite scary because you don't know where you're yeah. going to, and you don't know what's going to work And take the manufacturing mm-hmm. industry for example i worked with a large motorbike kind of um Supplier and they their dealers can't sell, they they can't manufacture the bikes. So where does that leave them? Really, not very many options to change their business model. And then all of a sudden, it is less exciting and more scary because those are the guys that are going to have to. So I think the two words that can be applied, I feel, stand out, which is yes, it is an exciting time, but it's also quite quite scary if you're. Relying on the status quo to operate your business.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. Well I think we've covered quite a lot of ground today and um, really appreciate your input on uh, on the conversation that we've been having. And um yeah I think we'll leave it there for today. Thank you. No
3: problem at all. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And um hopefully we'll uh uh I I think to, to, to finish off with um what my favourite thing of the last week has definitely been the unofficial tweet where the British Airways staff um, served NHS staff bacon sandwiches in uniform. I think that's, for me, that's the best brand behaviour of the last week. Bill Warren, have you got a, a, a top brand behaviour of the last week or one that stood out for you?
0: I mean, I have to say I quite like the IKEA emails simply because they're, they're, they're much more around working from home but also when you go into them there's a, there's activities for the children to do so as a father with three kids that were trying to homeschool it was a nice balance between you know home and, and work so i, I like those
2: uh, I must admit, I think I'm a fan of the Sainsbury's one as a regular customer because they're telling me how I can use their service, and the timing is impeccable. It's straight away, as soon as something happens, they're releasing an update around how they're changing their processes. And I think that the speed of reaction has got me interested as a regular customer. Cool.
1: Great. Thank you very much. We've covered a lot of ground today, and there's some very interesting points around how brands are adapting in the current climate and their approach and their communications. I think the key learnings and the points for us to consider going forwards would be to, first of all, hit the reset button and review the marketing plans and strategies. Revisit the customer data and segment it. And keep building those customer relationships, particularly during this challenging time. That's really, really key. Thank you very much for joining me today, Phil, Gavin and Warren. Really appreciate your time. I think it's been a really great conversation. Thank you.